Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast. My name is Paul LaFavor. I'm here with uh, my ranger buddy, Mike Blackburn. Uh, today is Friday, the 4th of November, 2022. And we have back by popular demand in the G-Base, taking a knee, facing out, drinking water, NC Scout. Welcome, NC Scout. Thanks, brother. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, we did uh, We did the last episode. It's been quite a while. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's still half a year. Yeah, and it's still enjoying <laughs> a lot of downloads. Um, so we just we just thought we needed to bring you back in. A lot has transpired since then, and uh, so what's what's the word? You're out there. You got your your ear to the ground. What's 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 going on? What's on your mind today? Well, you know we've we've got Russia currently posturing for the real invasion of Ukraine. Uh, which is, you know, deeply concerning, probably deeply concerning to everybody. You know, I, I think that, that we talked about early on uh, one of the first podcasts that I did with you guys that uh, a lot just didn't really seem to make sense about the the posturing, the, the lead up to their invasion of Ukraine. Um, and, and a lot really didn't make sense. And, you know, that, that was back in February and, and you know, we're, we're getting towards the tail end of the year. And, um, you know, they, they've suffered some significant losses and really uh, it, it's just it, it's broken down in a very interesting way. But one of the most interesting things to me was the fact that it, it didn't seem like they were. Uh, using their professional forces, at least at the, the capacity that we've always anticipated they would perform, um, you know, in, in, in all of the American Western military professional education, uh, you know, we, we assume that the, the Russians will perform at a, a certain level of capability. And none of that seemed to be uh, transpiring. And now they're staging for what looks like phase two of this mess in, in Ukraine. Um, and, you know, we, we have uh, Starlink that's being pulled off the battlefield, at least for the time being. We'll see how that works out, uh, which has been huge for the, the command and control capability, uh, the targeting capability. But, but nobody can argue the fact that Ukraine is currently running out of munitions. And we're going to have a hard time resupplying those munitions. I mean, the HIMARS system, that all has a, a, a pretty significant lead time on resupply. And they're running low. Uh, the Javelins are running low. The, the Carl Gustavs are, you know, definitely running low. And they had to pull the existing stocks out of our own arsenal and send them over. I mean, it, and that was just a, a month, month and a half ago that, that those rumors were proven to be true. And so really, it, it seems like to me that Russia kind of stepped back 
and said, hey, you know, fire off everything you've got. And now they're staging for the real invasion. And you hey, got Poland. That, yes. That's, so, sorry. Uh, Scott, go ahead. Scott, I was just going to ask you, because you're, you're getting ready to go into that, but from what I've been told by uh, Don Lemon, and uh, his other folks. Now I don't listen. I don't watch Don Lemon, by the way. But Doctor <laughs> Don Lemon. Uh, yeah. But it Malcolm seems Hans. it seems like all you're hearing is, hey, you know, Russia's on the ropes, and they've got nobody. Uh, the conscripts are fleeing the country. So it seems like the other narrative is, hey, they're getting their butts kicked. So yeah. I, that's all we're hearing. Well, I, you know, I hear now. I hear both sides because I've I've heard I've heard that too. Um, a lot of that I just chalk off to some some pretty good propaganda, yeah. um, right? But uh, the other part is you're absolutely right. For those of us that came in the military during the Cold War, uh, where the you know the Soviet Union was the big boogeyman, um, certainly Russia has not performed to expectations. Uh, yeah, that's from, an understatement from the West, right. and so you're. you're you're absolutely right. You're kind of sitting back here going, okay, was this all just a bunch of hype or is there some kind of strategy we're not aware of? And I as I have also read uh, similar uh, articles that, that you're referring to now where uh, right. a lot of these systems that we're providing uh, them uh, use up a lot of ammunition. Uh, we're, we're going into our own uh, wartime stockpiles uh, those things are uh, drawing down at a, at a rapid pace. Uh, we're not backfilling those stockpiles quick enough. And at some point or another, you're absolutely right. The high Mars is only cool when it's when it's actually shooting rockets. Um, right. Once you run out of that, once once you run out of the rockets, I mean, it's 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 just a big piece of steel out there. So, uh, well, is that kind of where we're at here? I yeah. mean, is 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 there sort of a, a game being played here? You know, it, it, it's looking as though, it, and this is just my estimation, because I was always taught, as undoubtedly, you know, y'all were as well and, and have taught others, you never, ever under any circumstances underestimate an adversary. Never. You know, it, it's better to overemphasize their capabilities on the ground than it is to say, you know, or, or in the air, or the, their capabilities overall. Then it is to say, ah, oh, you know, we've got this in the bag, no worries. Uh, our force projection capability is is insurmountable. You know, that's a very dangerous position to take. And that's one that a lot of people, I think, that, that unfortunately a lot of our, our leaders, policymakers are currently taking. And that's very scary to me. Uh, when, when you're dealing with a nation that is as heavily nuclear armed as Russia is, as China is, and have the level of influence in the world and foreign policy as they do. And we're, we're bringing the war right to the Russians' doorstep at the cost of, of potentially alienating other NATO allies. We're really putting ourselves in a, a, a precarious situation at that point and a very potentially costly one. I pray that it doesn't, that that is not a cost that, that we experience. Uh, but at the same time, it's very frustrating to hear so many people with a dismissive attitude thus far. The, you know, the Don Lemons, the, the, the people in the, in the media who've said, you know, oh, yeah, we, we've got the Russians on the run. They're getting beat. I mean, 
you know, in, in a perfect world, I mean, I recognize fully they're an enemy nation. And, you know, yeah, we, we want to beat them, but at what cost? Mm. And at the same time, we cannot, we cannot afford to underestimate their capability on the ground and their ability to strike us here at home, which between both the Russians and the Chinese, they have a very long-term strategy that they're in placing here that I see, and a lot of it has to do with everything that's going on south of our border. That's a very, very important thing that we, we literally haven't paid much, if any, attention to. And it's just a really scary point that we, we're, we're in. The State Department now, so just uh, a few days ago, the State Department was saying, they, they put out a, a, uh, a, a basically an opinion piece that said, hey, you know, we, we have really screwed the pooch on everything going on south of the border. We need to refocus our efforts in Central America. But at this point, it's too little too late. You've got China, which has literally created infrastructure in all of the Caribbean nations. They have a presence in every single one of them, and their powerhouses in Cuba. You have Venezuela, which is just to the south of Cuba, which has a, a huge amount of influence as well. Now in Colombia, Colombia was the last American real genuine ally in South America as, as a whole in the entirety of the continent. Now they have a dyed-in-the-wool communist who is the president, and he is, he, he is literally right now bringing up war crimes tribunals within Colombia against the general officers of the Colombian military because they had the longest-running civil war anywhere in the world from the 1950s all the way up until last year. And it was never really positively concluded because you have ELN, which is being uh, backed by the Venezuelans, as well as the Russians and the Chinese, which have kicked right back up because the FARC were the only ones who actually laid down their arms. And so now we have a leftist in charge who, who is not America friendly whatsoever, who is the, the now the, the power broker of the last holdout that we had the last stronghold of American foreign policy and the Monroe Doctrine, and now we no longer have that. You go just to the north in Nicaragua, Daniel Ortega, who was the leader of the Sandinistas and now is the president once more of Nicaragua. He is lock stock in two smoking barrels completely, completely, to the 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 uh, or, or in the pocket of rather of, of the Chinese, in the favor of the Chinese, the Chinese are building a replacement for the Panama Canal, which they also own the rights to, but they're building a replacement uh, replacement one currently in Nicaragua. Right, and the, he he is set to become the hegemon of Central American politics. So the the picture that's being painted here, Brazil, you had Bolsonaro who was not necessarily America-friendly, but he was not friendly to the idea of BRICS, right? So Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa as the proposed replacement to the U.S. dollar as a world reserve currency. That's critically important for anybody that, that 
you know, studies econ 101, the reason that America can go into the debt that it goes into is because the U.S. Uh, dollar is the world's reserve currency. But the second that that doesn't or, or that's no longer a thing, we're going to be in real trouble economically. And we're already in real trouble economically. They're posing a replacement for all of that. And how do you do that? You have to do that through the logistics. You have to do that through foreign policy influence. And America, you know, and I really hate to say this, but America's policy over the past 30 years of strong arming people throughout the world into being part of the American hegemon is really problematic. And that's getting ready to kick us in a real bad way. That's pushed people right into, that's pushed the other favorable nations right into the arms of the Chinese, of the Russians. You know, there's a reason that Russia was very quick to back the activities of the Chavez regime in Venezuela to the tune of building military equipment there and setting up a rather large factory there in order to do it uh, in Cavan, which is located in Caracas, Venezuela. You know, they licensed copies of the AK-100 series rifles in the 762 by 39 which performed very well in jungle-type environments. So they're building 50,000 of these a year starting in 2019. The Chinese were all over it. You know, if you look at Cuba, I've written extensively about this since 2018. Cuba has really become the hub of military activity of both the Chinese and the Russians. Now, when you, you look just to the west, over into Mexico, northern Mexico has, you know, everybody knows it for the cartels, but they have a huge presence of Chinese agents there as well. Phoenix TV, for anybody that, that's listening to this and, it, it, and wants to check the facts, Phoenix TV, which is the most powerful FM transmitter in the Northern Hemisphere, was bought by the Chinese government. And it is a Spanish language propaganda station. They set this up, right? Why would they do that? Why would they do all of these things? Because they are transmitting favorable information to their proxies. So now if you fast forward, and I, I wrote about that back in 2019. If you fast forward three years from then till now, look at our border crisis. We have armed people, armed people. This There's nothing plausible any longer about any of this. There's footage out there. It was up on Fox News just a week ago. We've got footage of armed people coming across in camouflage. Okay, so, you know, it, some of these are military uniforms. Some of these are commercial hunting pattern cam, you know, camo. It really doesn't matter when you have guys who are armed, they're wearing camo, they're coming across your border. I call that insurgents. I was in Iraq. I was in Afghanistan. That's an insurgent right there. That's enough to give us positive identification. And these are guys that are coming across that are armed. They're not even trying to hide this anymore. I think the problem where we are right now is that the Chinese know that this is how we take advantage of, of America. Because the Democrats have been so weak. Not to turn this into a wholly political thing, but the Democrats have been so weak. Ideologically, they can't sit and turn on that because if they do, they're betraying their own base. They know that there's a real problem and there's nothing that they can do about it. Because ideologically, they can't afford to turn on their own people. So now, now 
the real danger that we have is that we've got Venezuelans, we've got Nicaraguans, we've got Hondurans, we've got El Salvadorans, we've got Cubans, we've got all of these people. And, and, and you know, the intelligence report that was given to Congress two weeks ago said it confirmed that these countries are emptying their prisons and they're sending these people to the border, right? They're all, they're so all, they're what does that tell you? Yeah, they're primarily military-aged males. Right. Which just seems odd. They, they are preparing an insurgency, and this is being guided by the Chinese government. It's prey zone warfare. All right, so back a year ago, before Ukraine was a thing, you know, you had a border dispute between Belarus and Poland. And it was over all of these Turks and, and Middle Easterners that were coming up. And, you know, no country in Eastern Europe really wanted to deal with them because there's a lot of history there and cultural history and everything else. They didn't want to deal with it. So they were shuffling them north. Well, they finally get to Belarus. Belarus says, we don't want them. They're sending them over to Poland because they don't like Poland. Poland says, we don't want to deal with them. And it ignited a rather tense border dispute until they figured out what they were going to do with these people who were, were coming in. They, they were saying they were Syrian refugees. You know, Syria is not really the hot zone anymore. So, you know, whatever. Um, and, and it ended up getting uh, settled. But here we are a year later. They're still in the same boat. You know, you've, you've got Belarus and Poland, and, and Poland just recalled all their citizens. And Belarus is saying, hey, you know, we're T-minus 90 days from getting involved in, um, you, you know, Ukraine. And we may be pushing into Poland, too. They kind of hinted at it. But that's the example of gray zone warfare. It's, it is warfare that you are conducting without conducting kinetic operations. And so when we look at our own board of the invasion, that's come across. And it's an invasion at this point. You can't dispute it. When you have that going on, this is a very precarious situation in which we find ourselves. And I'll throw one more data point out there since it's relevant, just came across today. So, um, you know, I'm constantly, one of, one of the cornerstone things that I teach is communications, improvised communications, tactical communications. And, um, you know, there was a new radio that showed up on the market coming from China. It, you know, is built to be rugged. It's, it's got a lot of capability built in, into one package and it's kind of in it, kind of ex- on the expensive side. But I picked one up to see, uh, you know, for, for the own, uh, you know, my own intelligence assessment of it and see what, what's going on with it and its capabilities. And the very fascinating thing, this thing's called a, a TBR 119 which, you know, is an interesting name, too, because it's like... Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Right. Uh, but it, it interestingly, it, it's kind of like if a, a Prick 150 and a 117 had a baby and, and put them together. It, it's kind of it's kind of like that. So this thing shows up. Very interestingly to me is that the instructions are all in Spanish. So they sent... You know, from Hong Kong, they sent a radio to America that has some very interesting capabilities, frequency hopping, HF, digital mobile radio, some other interesting things that I've yet to dive into about it. It's clearly built for a military market. 
and the instructions were in Spanish, mm. completely in Spanish. And these are these are flooding the the zone. These are flooding the uh, the southern border area. Right. Mm. This is military equipment. Just a coincidence, right? Just a coincidence. Coincidence. <laughs> you know, I I think you've brought up something that's important, which I think a lot of us, when we're looking at news. Um, we we're not linking it all together. So when we when we're talking about Ukraine, uh, we just we just kind of keep it there. Uh, we we don't consider uh, China's involvement in what's going on between uh, Russia and the West. Um, how they're playing that. We don't tie in the southern border and what's going on with the southern border and the cartels. Uh, the actions of China in Central and South America and other places in Europe, the deals being made between Russia and China. I mean, this, there's really just a huge chessboard going on here, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? And we really need to start looking 100%. at all of it together. It's the, the totality of the situation is beyond the grasp of a lot of people, I think. Um, because we, like you said, we, we look at things in terms of, of singular events. And a lot of that has to do with the news cycle. The, the way that in, in America, news is presented to us and, and we absorb it. We're consumers of it. Um, you know, when I was a kid, we had the 30-minute news cycle where, you know, you, you saw the news at 6 o'clock or 6.30 and that was everything relevant that happened in the past 24 hours and that was it. You know, and now we have the 24-hour news cycle, which is bombarding us with this constant barrage of information. But at the same time, what it ended up doing was shortening our viewpoint. We, so we, we have this very myopic, short-term viewpoint on, on things. It was very fascinating to me when I, when I went to Afghanistan – uh, not so much in Iraq, but in Afghanistan, the Afghans would stop every single day and watch their one newscast that they had every afternoon. And it was the most important thing that they viewed. And this was just very fascinating because this reminded me of when I was growing up. It, it, it's it's the way things worked when when I was a child that, that you know, all of the, the old timers, my grandparents and, and, you know, everybody, they all did that because they, they were so in tune to it. And we don't do that anymore. And that owes that that whole point is critical because it owes to the fact that we view things in singular manner and we no longer have this long term cultural view of where we are headed as a society, what's going on. Whether, you know, and, and that's mutually exclusive, whether we were being lied to, weren't being lied to, whatever, it, it really doesn't matter. The point is, is that we no longer have the ability to discern the different things. And, and we don't know the difference between one thing or another. And so we, we're not putting all of this together. We're, it, the kaleidoscope is seeing all the different colors and we're just not putting the picture together. But the picture is, is that China is following a very specific set of guidelines. You know, anybody that wants to look deep into this need to read um, the, the two Chinese colonels 
that wrote Unrestricted Warfare back in, in the late 90s. I think it was 1997. And, and I apologize for being kind of off the cuff. I don't recall their names, but they were two Chinese colonels that were lecturers at the Chinese People's Liberation Army version of West Point. They laid out a very specific plan of what they were going to do to take down the West and usher in the Chinese New Century. Because that is their goal. That is Xi Jinping's goal, is to usher in the Chinese New Century and to begin year zero, right? Because they're communists, and that is what communists believe. They're, and, and to be fair, they're really not a great ally of the Russians either. The Sino-Soviet split's still a thing. Because Russia's not a communist nation. But at the same time, they realize that they need them as an ally for the European front that they can't take on a war on all fronts at once. They need the Russians. The Russians are going to end up fighting the Chinese, too. It, it's, it's, it's very reciprocal in, in that regard. They're not necessarily friendly with one another, but right now they're allies out of necessity because they are unified against the United States. The enemy of the enemy is my them. friend, right? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, you know, you brought up, you brought up something earlier, which I, I think needs to be discussed, and that's um, the dollar and the fact that um, a lot of people that are extremely smart, much smarter than, than I am, uh, people like Ed Dowd and uh, people that have you know, worked on Wall Street their whole life, uh, really understand uh, markets and the finances made an awful lot of money predicting um, markets and, and future trends, uh, have said that the Federal Reserve has is, is, is really run out of time. Um, it's come to its 109-year uh, expiration date. And the ability for them to um, get themselves out of the current mess that they put themselves in um, is questionable. And that a lot of the events that we're seeing take place um, also benefit the bankers uh, because if the dollar does collapse, with which a lot of people again are saying that it's it's inevitable, um, it's it's a fiat it's a fiat currency like every other fiat currency. I mean, it, it has a it has a time it has an expiration date. Um, they're not going to want to assume the blame on this, and they're. You know, anything at all that they can blame it on, uh, pandemics, world wars, you know, what, whatever, whatever kind of instability, um, it allows them to have a scapegoat uh, for their own failed banking policies. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I, one thing Ed Dowd said that, that really rung true to me was, he says, now is the time to really start developing your communities and right. not not just friends, people who um, are like minded. Right. Uh, it's cr it's critical. Um, you really need to know where people stand, and you need to uh, start uh, developing these communities and these networks. You need to be where uh, these people are, and you need to start uh, putting together. Um, how you're going to get through this together? Because it really it is going to take a it is going to take these small communities to get through um, 
what these people describe um, if the dollar does fail. Right. Uh, I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, you know, as far as the life cycle of the Fed, I mean, I, I'm not an economist. However, you can't make money with a mountain of debt. It, it's not. It's, it, it, this is asinine. Um, and and we we seem to just keep sinking ourselves into more debt. You know, we had uh, officials from the Fed that have said on record, uh, multiple ones that have said, well, we can just print more money. I mean, Alan Greenspan is very famous for saying that. But Janet Yellen's also said that, uh, you know, we can just print more money. This No, a fiat currency at that point is not... Um, I mean, again, I'm not an economist. I mean, I, I have a level of education, but it's in sociology. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I, I understand basic economics, but I also understand being a, a business owner and, and somebody who, who's paid off his own home and, um, you know, and, and, and does pretty well. I understand that the fact that you can't make money from nothing, but at the same time, you also can't continue to strong arm everyone in the world. You know, if, if you have a bunch of friends that come to a party and you, you know, show yourself to all of them and act like you don't need any of them or that, that you're better than them and you constantly do this, eventually you're going to find yourself with no friends at the table. They don't want to come. They, they don't want to come to your party. They don't want to hang out with you. And that's where America has found itself right now. We turn our, our backs on every ally that, that we had in the world. And we, I mean, we, with Nord Stream 2 getting attacked and, you know, they wink, wink, nod, nod at that, uh, you know, and, and we don't know what happened with that. Well, how is Germany going to heat itself this winter? I mean, that's a serious question when you look at Carver and, and do a Carver matrix on this. This is pretty serious. And then there was another attack on a pipeline that was foiled in Turkey. That sends a very clear message to American allies. You know, whether whether America was was uh, implicitly responsible in the shadows or not, it doesn't matter. It shows a very real message that maybe we can't protect you. Maybe that we can't protect, you know, it, it, we, we can't provide for you in the long term. And so how that translates to people in, in getting into their communities right now and getting engaged, what they're going to find as things go further and further down the pipe is there's going to be a lot more people who are going to become very outspoken in their beliefs and very outspoken in, you know, maybe, maybe DC, Washington, DC is not what we need to focus on. We're already seeing the beginning of this. And through people becoming more outspoken and through people getting trained because they need that. It's one thing to have your heart in the right place. It's another to, to, you know, put metal in the meat and get out there and start doing things quit, quit with a hypothetical, get out there and start doing something, start training. And we're headed towards that. We're rapidly headed towards that. So there, there's a, I promise you, there's a lot of people in your community. One of the neat things that I see, in teaching class, and I, you know, my voice is a little jacked up right now. I just got done with a six-day 
intensive small unit tactics courses, two of them back to back, um, where it was the, the basic course and then the advanced course after that. And um, having in, in both of those classes, having well over a platoon sized element in both of those classes, watching these guys come together was truly incredible. But the thing that was most incredible about it was the fact that there were guys there who were from very close communities to one another and had no idea. They didn't even know that each other even existed. There were guys that, that, that I had, there was one crew that came down. It was a group of, of guys. Some of them were in law enforcement, really, really awesome guys. They came down and they've trained with me in the past. They come down and then lo and behold, there's another group from Virginia that's there. And so now they say, you know, they get to talking once, you know, we, we were done for the day they start talking and I'm kind of listening to their conversation. They don't live that far from one another. And now all of a sudden, organically, they're coming up with their own training schedule saying, Hey, you know, exchange contact information. Hey guys, you know, we're going to meet at the range. I've got this place over here. This is what we, you know, like, it, it, it was very, very neat to see all of this coalescing in a very short amount of time. And that's something I, that I've been able to get a front row seat to over the years in doing this through all the classes that I've done. And I'm going to tell you that, you know, for anybody out there that, that kind of gets what I call that, that black pill effect of saying, you know, just, it, things are hopeless and throw up my hands. I don't really know what's going on. I'm going to tell you something. Get out to a class. Doesn't have to be mine. I mean, I'm in business doing that. There's a lot of great guys that are training good skills out there. You go out to one of those classes and you're going to find, I promise you, you're going to find people who are like-minded and probably in your same general vicinity as well. And that's how groups now are beginning to coalesce. And it's not some crazy, you know, underground that's being formed for any sort of nefarious purpose. It's people saying, hey, you know what? The spirit of the Second Amendment in this country has to do not just with owning firearms. It has to do with being well-regulated, which means being well-trained. It means getting out there and it means doing something about it and saying, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to be oppressed. I'm not going to be kept down. You're not going to tell me. You're not going to put your edicts over on us. We're not going to do that anymore. Um that that's how you ensure freedom in America. And that's what we're headed towards is, is it, it it's, it's, people, just, it's very easy for people to, to get negative about stuff. And I'm here trying to, as, as best that I can to say that there's a very good positive that's coming out of all this as well. And yeah. I think I it's for one embrace it. Yeah. I think it's, I think you're absolutely correct. I think it's, it's, it's really just getting back to the basics. I mean, what do you think, Paul? I mean, these are the types of activities that you're discussing right now really would be commonplace in colonial America um, where families took responsibility. They wanted to make sure they could defend themselves. Uh, they were self-sufficient. Um, they had to um, rely on neighbors and community. They had to um, – really just be in touch with nature and what's going on in the environment, what's going on. Cause there's, there's no cavalry coming to your rescue. Yeah. That's uh, right. something that, uh, you know, unless you've been under a rock for the last decade, 
you know, our country has done some not so good things in politics, not so good def- uh, decisions. And, and I have, uh, for the last 10 years, I've looked at all of this and kind of watched it all. And I've been reminded that uh, there isn't going to be, like you said, uh, somebody, you know, the cavalry coming to the rescue. And I think it happened when my house was broken into. It was back in 14. And my, my wife and uh, daughters were somewhere else, thank God. And I was just working. And I came home and the, you know, the front doors was kicked open. And uh, I was like, okay. So then I, I cleared the whole house. And I did like, uh, like anyone else would do. I called 911. It took about 38 minutes. This was 2014. In, and, in, a, yeah. in, a, in a large metropolitan yeah. area. And, and I was like, <laughs> okay. This was the older G-Base. Okay. <laughs> like two G-Bases back. <laughs> but I thought, wow. Um, and that's when I thought, I need to get my crap together. And, uh, and it, around, you know, 2014, we were, you know, well into wokeism. Wokeism was, they wouldn't call it, they didn't call it wokeism back then, but PC, whatever. But we had, yeah, PC, we had Obama, we had all that great stuff going on. And then I was like, wow, yeah, I need to get my head on a swivel and uh, look at my my security plan, look at, uh, you know, what's, you know, my back, you know, everything. All the things that we need to be looking at now is, hey, are you you taking care of your family? Do you have security? Are you thinking about these things? Because nobody else is going to you know, just fast rope out of the, the forest well, to help perfect you. Perfect example. Yeah. You know, another perfect example. What What's dominating the news cycle right now, at least here in North Carolina, you know, yesterday in Raleigh, they have a mass shooting. Yeah. What they're calling a mass shooting. You know, it's very tragic. I was just having a discussion a little while ago about that. Uh, somebody was kind of asking, uh, my thoughts on, on the breakdown of the whole thing. Uh, not that it, it really matters that much in the big scheme of things, but you know, you have, you have a kid who's armed, right. With apparently a, a duck gun, you know, shotgun, long barrel shotgun or whatever it was. And he's approached by an off duty cop, but this is in Raleigh and it's in a residential area of Raleigh which is significant, very significant. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, five people ended up losing their lives. That sucks. But, you know, when you take into account other areas in North Carolina, Fayetteville being one, uh, you know, all of us are, are very intimately familiar with. I mean, I had my house broken into as well uh, when I was living just outside of Spring Lake. And I was stationed at Brad. And, uh, and it was... I, you know, we weren't home at the time, but it was a particularly violent one. And, and there were things going on. And so the, the sheriff of Harnett County at the time held a town hall saying, hey, you know, my, my deputies don't have the resources to protect you. Mm. So when we see that breakdown of, of the mass shooting they had in, in Raleigh yesterday and how many resources they diverted to that, which, you know, I get it. It is kind of a dramatic thing at the same time, though. I mean, it, and it's very unfortunate five people lost their lives. But how many people get shot in the urban areas in North Carolina alone on a weekly basis? It's, you know, it, it exceeds that number by a significant margin. You know, I, I can say for sure Greensboro and High Point 
and Winston-Salem have a significantly higher rate of the number of shootings that occur on a weekly, week-to-week basis. Point is behind all this is not to diminish that at all. It's, it's the complete opposite. It's a tragedy. But, but the way that this thing went down in the middle of the day, I mean, one off-duty officer, which guy rest his soul, went out there. He manned up. He's hey, this, this kid's carrying carrying a, a gun. This is kind of suspicious. And he went out there and confronted him. But had there been a couple other armed people there, and I get it. You know, it's it's later in the day. There's not that many people home. It's a working class neighborhood where people people have got their nine to five jobs. But if a couple other people had seen that, I said, man, that's a little odd. And they had drawn down on that guy. And now all of a sudden you got three or four guns in the fight rather than one off-duty cop. And it's a one-to-one. One guy shows up. He's ready for the fight. The other guy is confronting him thinking, you know, man, maybe I can talk him down. Obviously, that's the way that it went. You know, it, 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 it and, and to the bigger point about all that is look at how many resources they diverted to that to one guy who is shooting. If you think about this on a mass scale, we've already seen a preview to, to this. We've seen Antifa in Portland and in Seattle. We've seen them in other urban areas. And they're all over social media right now, operating with with impunity, especially on Twitter, saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're just waiting for the the time to go back to what we were talking about in the very first section. So now you have a armed insurgency that's come across. And even if down at the border, because it's not just down at the border, it's everywhere. It's everywhere now. These people hit the border. They get picked up. They're gone, right? And they're going to every corner of the United States. Even if just a handful out of the thousands that are coming across, we'll say, we'll say one out of every hundred comes across. And he has just rudimentary training in organization, in targeting, understanding F3EA, understanding Carver, understanding Sweat MC, because I know that they're all taught this. They're all taught unconventional warfare in in all of these schools that are training spies, training insurgents, Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, the Russians, the the old hands of the KGB, right? The Directorate of Intelligence coming out of Cuba. They all got the same training. And if one out of every hundred has that level of training to be able to go and multiply his efforts with everybody else, all his contemporaries that are around him, they could very quickly, and, and this is this is both a scary thing, but it's also a call to your own training to take it seriously. They could very quickly overwhelm the infrastructure that we have. If one guy, and, and, and let's think about this, if one guy diverted that many resources of law enforcement, of EMS, of, of our emergency response capability in a in, in with five people getting shot, which is it is a mass casualty incident, but you know I've seen way bigger. I know y'all have too. If that's what overwhelms our system, and I talked about this last night with a doctor, a, a local doctor, he's a friend of mine um, who, who works in the ED, 
And, you know, it, it's very, very quick to overwhelm our emergency response capability. If they were planning something like this and they set set a plan in motion like this and there's nothing saying that they're not. The Chinese are sitting back and waiting and they're looking at the effects. What would what would the response be? You know, if 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 we see the level of incompetence coming out of leadership at all levels and really even worse, the duplicity of the message. You know, we had the mayor of Raleigh last night who who I watched a couple of minutes of, of her, her press interview and I had to cut it off because this woman's an idiot. Uh, but she ran on defunding the police. If you go back and you look at her, her mm. campaign ads, everything was defund the police. Everything was demonizing. Everything was all of the talking points of the day. And the very first thing that she can do when she gets up there, oh, the wonderful heroes of the Raleigh Police Department. I mean, you know, this, this you can't even stay on your own message. You can't even stay on your own message. And yeah, and, and I'm faulting her for that. I, I, I 100% am because she ran on one thing and now she's up there. She's saying something different and not even in a, a coherent way. Think about that. These are the people who are managing and overseeing our infrastructure. You need to take a very hard, sober look at the people who are overwatching our infrastructure and who are in charge of writing the policy. Because these are the people who are in. They can't make up their minds. They're inherently incompetent. And that's why you need to take it upon yourself to take every opportunity to get yourself prepared, find that training, and and work on those skills. Because you're not going to get a second chance. Yeah, I think um, I think that's important that people... There's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines. I mean, I, I I was probably guilty for it as well. I mean, you're sitting back there and you're going, man, things are looking kind of kind of rough out there. Um, but I think I got some time. You know, it, it's they're getting rough, but you know, I'll do that next year. Yeah. And really, procrastinators unite tomorrow be, because <laughs> because a lot of this because a lot of this stuff it it takes commitment. Okay. I mean, it takes some life's life changing uh, actions, okay, uh, and they're and they're hard muscle moves, okay. It's heavy lifting. Some of this stuff requires some heavy lifting, um, and you have to change your lifestyle. And that's that's no one no one likes change. Change sucks. Um, we get kind of in our routine, but I think there's a bunch of us kind of sitting out there in that same sort of boat, but really. Um, you know, at some point or another, you're looking out and you're going, damn, I ain't, I ain't got much time left. I mean, I better get up and start doing some stuff. So, uh, we've talked about this before, you know, uh, learn, learn to plant a garden, you know, throw some chickens out in the freaking yard. Um, try to, um, get out of debt, pay some things off, downsize, um, try to, uh, develop your communities. Try to you know sit around and 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 say, hey, you know, uh, if I if I provide this, can you provide that? And 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 make some some connections. Get right with God. I mean, I may know some people. Yes, know some people in the neighborhood. 
Well, whatever, because I look back, you know, Paul and I spent time in Iraq. I mean, you did too. I mean, when like, things go to crap in the country, I mean, the first thing you see is all the Sunnis getting together and all the Shias getting together. I mean, that's just natural. Right. You know, uh, everyone goes tribal, and yep. it, that's for survival. And there's going to be a huge group in this country that's just not going to do anything. They're not going to prepare. Um, they're going to be a mess. So well, you, ha- you have to be aware of that. you got to be aware of right. a, a whole bunch of, you know, hungry, unprepared people. And that, that's going to be a problem. Then you're going to well, have, of course, the, the people who, you know, are just zealous for their dystopian new world order that are just motivated about bringing it all in. Right. You're going to be battling them guys. So, um, you know, you really have to kind of war game this thing out a little bit, get, get with your, your better half and kind of figure out, take baby steps now, like you're talking about, do some training, buy, you know, buy what you need to buy a little every month, whatever. And, and it'll make you feel better. Your, your thoughts. Oh yeah. So one of the things you said that w- was extremely significant was get right with God and meet the people in your community. There's, and both of you know the very easy answer to that. Mm-hmm. Go to church. Yeah, That's the best way to do them both in one place. Go to church. And here's another thing. Uh, early on, when I, I started teaching classes, and I was in a, you know, and, and, and I've told you guys this, it was completely accidental. You know, when I got out of the Army, I took the uniform off, hung it up, and it was kind of just like, in the background. It, it was something that I used to do and I had moved on with life. It, it was something else. Right? You know, and, and I had moved on to a whole other thing and I kept kind of getting pushed back and pushed back in, in, in different stuff. And then, you know, I, I hit a point in my life where I had to start writing um, as, as a creative outlet because I just felt this, this presence uh, that, you know, I felt like I was being commanded to start writing stuff that I knew, the original brush reader block, and to start writing things that I thought would help people conveying whatever kind of knowledge, whatever I could share would help people. And it was a, it was, it was a very good creative outlet for me too at, at that point in my life. And, you know, then I got kind of pushed down the path of, of starting to teach classes. I had so many people that were saying, hey, you know, would you teach us a little bit about this communication stuff? Would you teach us a little bit about small unit tactics? And so on and so forth. And it just, you know, I, I started building these POIs for different classes, never really intending to make any money or, you know, turn it into a business. And it just, uh, it was very providential how it all occurred. But the point behind it is, is that, very early on, I had a, a good friend of mine. He's a devout Catholic. And he told me something that was, was very significant. It stayed with me for all these years since I started back in 2017. He said, you know, you always tell the, the best quality people by the first guy that's in the church parking lot. And if he comes in and he makes coffee in the morning, if he makes coffee for the congregation, that's a great guy. And that's a guy that you want to talk to. And everybody else wants to talk to you as well. 
And I thought that that was extremely significant. You know, I'm not Catholic, but that doesn't have anything to do with it. Every church is like that. Every church has those those people who show up and they're kind of going through the routine. And I say, you know, they, they're the they're the Sunday Christians. They're the 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 uh, church is a social activity Christians. Then you have the people that actually embody it and they know why they want to be there and they're actively engaged with their community. And those are the people that you really want to be around. And it never fails. That guy that's making the coffee, that guy that's always up first. The same principle could be said of a, you know, an infantry squad leader, the very first guy that's at the company every morning. That's your most switched on NCO. You know, when, when you, you see that first guy that walks in the company and he's there and he's, he's at the unit, he's there, but you know, before the lights are even on and he's, he's ready to go. Maybe he's doing his warm ups out there and he's waiting for his guys. And then he walks over and he checks the barracks. It's the same principle. Those are the guys, those are the ones in your community that you know are the most serious. And everybody's task at that point begins cultivating that. How do you cultivate that? First, you have to recognize that. Well, now you know how to recognize it. Now you cultivate it. And so the people that need to get right with God, they need to find themselves putting themselves in church, listening to the message, but most importantly, looking around at your community because that's your community. That's how you build that. Those are the critical elements right there. From there, every other shortcoming can be overcome with training. So you say, you know, oh, well, they don't know how to do this. They don't know how to set up radio stuff. They don't know how to shoot. They don't know how to do small unit tactics. So what? You can overcome that with training. That's where training comes in, right? They they know they already have the underlying principles and they recognize that and they know what they are. Your job at that point becomes coming up with an adequate training plan for them. And I have a lot of people who come across my desk that are in that very same boat. And a a lot of people who leave uh, when they come up here for a class and they turn around and they leave that are emboldened. They say, hey, you know, hey, we've got hope now. That's where you want to be. Those are that's a great advice, Scout. Uh, and uh, I think these types of uh, where we our country has gone has forced us to think this way. And uh, yeah, when you go back to our roots, back to uh, really in some sense uh, the founding of this nation, you know, have uh, uh, you know love God, uh, fear evil, and uh, excuse me, uh, fear God, hate evil, and then uh, you know know uh, know your neighbors, right? And, um, you know, work, work live on, out what you believe. Work, work on the family. Um, that's going to be your, your family is extremely important yeah. and you never, you never need to lose sight of that, you know, figure yeah. out what's real important in life. Hey, listen, uh, what, what do you have, what do you have going on? What, what's on the calendar up there at, uh, NC Scoutland. What what classes you got going on? Uh, what's the best way people can get up with you and what you're doing and uh, so take advantage brush, of some of this? Brushfeeder.org slash training calendar. Um, if if you look at the training calendar, I just added a, a few dates for 2023 today, and um, you know 
I, I travel everywhere. I, I'm getting ready to uh, be wheels up and head out to Idaho. Um, I'm going to be out there for a week teaching RTO, advanced RTO, and signals intelligence course. Um, I will be back here. I've got the first half of 2023 is up now. Um, I have a regular podcast that I do radio contra, which, uh, you know, both of you, uh, joined yeah, me on that's right. back, way back when awesome. it feels like it was forever awesome ago, stuff. back in episode 97. And, um, you know, we, we're closing in on 200 episodes now. Um, yeah, no. I got to get y'all back on. Yeah, but we're, we're on your, we're on your tail end. See scout. We're coming yeah. to get you. That's right. I got, I'll have to get y'all back on. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, I just, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed Colonel Mike Bennett, mm. uh, the author of the Warlock series. Um, you know, he, and, and I was incredibly humbled by that, uh, being able to get him on. I've interviewed a, a, a lot of great people on there. So Radio Contra uh, and AmericanPartisan.org, which is just a, a uh, news aggregator of everything that's going on. So your your daily situational awareness, your you know, know your your s2 capability at the individual level mm. um you know when I, when I built all that I, I sought to to integrate the most amount of information possible and um you know it, it it's it's all in an effort to to give this community the best that I can mm. fantastic it's um, thank you for uh, giving back to the community scout and uh having a venue to offer those uh, critical skills so I appreciate what you're doing up there and thanks for coming on today, too. And, uh, you know, we kind of went all over the place. That was good. We needed to do that. And you, you hit a lot of critical, uh, you know, uh, goings on, you know, that are all over the news. And, uh, yeah, so as always, I'm a better man for hearing you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Well, we hope you uh, enjoyed today's episode of the Pinelander Podcast. And if you enjoy our content, we hope you'll check out our sponsors. Blacksmith Publishing has been serving the warrior class since 2013. Uh, we have great titles written by warriors for warriors. If you're looking for a great reference book or, or just want to unwind at the G-Base with a great novel, uh, be sure to check out the bookstore located at blacksmithpublishing.com. We, uh, we're adding titles all the time. And if you're looking for some cool uh, Pinelander apparel, head on over to the general store at pinelander1776.com. We appreciate uh Guys uh, grabbing uh, some of the cool swag there and wearing that stuff. And uh, until our next meeting, remember, keep your head on a swivel. Stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong, and socially astute. To each other, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. God bless Pineland. Pineland.